Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. everyone. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Nina Pantic. And I'm Irina Falcone. This episode's guest is Eddie Elliott, the coach of top 70 American pro Lauren Davis. Eddie is actually a very good friend of Irina and I's from when we were juniors and high schoolers growing up in South Florida in the Juneau Beach area. He played at Appalachian State. He was a ranked junior and then did a bit of coaching as well as working in camps and stuff before finding his way to Lauren. Eddie has worked with Lauren for the past year and a half or so. They started working together in July of 2018 when she was ranked outside of the top 200. So it's been an amazing ride for Eddie. Let's hear his story and how he and Lauren Davis are doing going into 2020. All right, Eddie Elliott, welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Let's start with where you're at. Where uh, where are you in the world right now? And what are you up to in the offseason? Well, uh, we just got back from Asia, and uh, I'm back home for a couple weeks. Uh, this is kind of our, our vacation period, uh, time off before we get preseason started here in, uh, in November. So we know you as Eddie Elliott, one of our friends from when we were teenagers playing tennis in Florida, but you are the coach of Lauren Davis, who's currently ranked number 62. You've been working with her for about a year. What's your thoughts when you look back on the past year? No, I mean, we've had a, a, a really cool run. Um, it was probably last, yeah, last summer that we started working together. And obviously that she, she was a lower rank then. So we kind of climbed in, uh, in the 60s and 80s. And, you know, to look back a year from now and where we're at, where we're at now is like, it's pretty cool. Um, playing all the slams, uh, obviously top 100 playing good tennis uh it's been it's been really cool to be part of that journey you guys have been working for a little bit over a year and i just wanted to know kind of how you got in contact with her i know she used to work with mark shanerman who's a close friend of yours how did you guys come to be a team i've known her past coaches and we kind of built a a, built a relationship I, i would hit with her when she was in town and I kind of acted as a, a different, different facet in her life. Uh, I actually helped her with a real estate transaction for a little bit when I left tennis. And when she took her break, uh, she contacted me and she's like, hey, Eddie, I would like to work with you when um, I'm thinking about coming back and, and playing again. And so we kind of just started there. And honestly, we had really nothing to lose. She was around 200, 260 in the world. So it was a, a great starting point and you know now we're here so it's it's been uh it's been a really cool journey did she like the house you helped sell uh she, she uh it was the house that she actually bought okay so she likes the house she likes it but i think she's selling it now so well i mean she's gotten so successful she's probably wanting to upgrade maybe yeah, I, I would I would assume <laughs> she's got so she moved up uh, to Juno area and I think she's going to move closer back to Boca, um, closer to some family. 
Does, do you guys have, so this might be a bit of a personal question, do you guys have like a contract? So like, it's like, okay, we're going to work together for a year. Is there any job stability or is it, because you began kind of as friends, was it a bit more cash? No, it, yeah. It, uh, so it's definitely, um, it, it started contract in January. We, we gave a tryout period last fall and started to do pretty well. She made the finals of Houston. And then um, at the end of the uh, beginning of this year, we kind of made it more official. And yeah, now now we obviously been working under a contract this past year. And we'll probably continue to do so uh, moving forward. So you just got back from Nicaragua. For those of you listening, Eddie is like an avid surfer. Um, how was that? Tell us a little bit about that. No, that was awesome. Um, you know, being on the road and you guys are well aware of of how the road goes, you know, it's, it's awesome to think about traveling the world and playing tennis, but um, at the same time, it is work. Uh, so it's nice to have some some alone time and just some time to yourself. And I love surfing. What better way to spend some off time uh, in Central America? Uh, that was unbelievable. It was four days of just like pure goodness. <laughs> well, well, uh, well needed, but it was, yeah, it was awesome. Do you find a lot of time on tour to do fun stuff? Or as you said, it's a bit of a challenge. I would say it's a mix, right? Um, you know, you, you got to make time. Uh, I, I think that the tour from hotel to courts to hotel to courts can be really draining. And if you don't take some time a day here or afternoon there to at least experience where you're at, you'll look back in a year and and say, man, like I, I traveled the world playing tennis, but I didn't experience any any of it. And I think that feeds into also enjoying your time on tour. Um, you know, I've I've only been on tour a little over a year, so I'm very new new to it, uh, fresh perspective, I guess, compared to players like you guys that you know you've been on tour for seven, eight, nine years, and sometimes it can kind of get. Uh, monotonous just doing the same thing over and over and and kind of forgetting that like yeah in China we took a, a morning to go see the the Great Wall um, in Paris go see the sites you know there those little things kind of give energy and kind of make it a little more fun and so that's kind of what I found yes it is work yes you're you know you're at the hotel you're at the court you're grinding it out but um, there's nothing wrong with trying to find a find some free time to kind of experience where you're at. The amount of times that people ask me and, um, you know, comment on the fact that we travel the world and all. And I'm like, yeah, the hotel's really nice. The courts are great. <laughs> yeah, it gets it definitely gets old after a while. So being able to make the time is super important. And you're so right. It definitely recharges your energy and recharges your batteries, everything. Um, so you've been on tour for a little over a year you would consider yourself a newbie, like you've had really great success, but still a rookie compared to the veteran coaches. What do you think has the, been the most surprising thing that you found? Two things. Uh, probably one is, you know, it, it takes a world of sacrifice to do what you guys do. Um, and like a newfound respect in regards to that. And it's only something that you really can gauge from being in it. And obviously being fortunate to fortunate enough to be on tour and see it firsthand has been really, really cool to see. Um, and the second is is understanding, you know, the people that um, 
have kind of supported these players to do do these things for years the sacrifice that it takes on that side as well i mean it's 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 a lot more encompassing than like you said you know people was like oh you travel the world playing tennis and it's like yeah it's awesome it's unbelievable there's there's few things that ever come to uh, and you know when you have the ability to do something like that but at the the other hand the spectrum of it is it is really wide because sometimes, you know, if you're losing in a foreign country and you got nowhere to go and you're stuck there for two or three weeks, I mean, that's not a fun place to be. Um, but on the flip side is if you're winning and you're, you know, you're moving forward, um, you know, things are great. Things are awesome. So that's kind of uh, so far in my small time being on tour, that's kind of been my experience. There's definitely a lot of ups and downs, and even just looking at the past year when I was uh, going through Lauren's records and results and stuff, how do you talk to her after a tough loss? And then obviously a win should be a little easier, but how do you get through those? I mean, every week is a loss, right? So have you gotten a lot better at handling these moments? I know she's a very nice girl, so maybe it's easier, but how, how do you get through that process? I mean, it helps that she's, you know, super nice. Anyone that knows Lauren, she's, you know, she's a sweetheart. Um, I, I think in the beginning, well, I, I will say this about tennis. Tennis is like you lose every week, right? Like, uh, and if you don't have a process to which you can go to to process those losses, um, eventually it's just going to, you know, it beats down players. And on the women's side, there's so many different winners lately. It's not like, you know, on the men's side where you have these guys, you know, consistent wins, you know, every week is going to be a loss. And so if it's a first round loss or a semifinal loss, um, it's still, you know, it's still a loss. Uh, and in, in with regards to Lauren is like obviously focusing on the positives and moving towards the bigger picture of, hey, how are we how are you trying to play and how are you trying to play the next match? Obviously, what can we do better? Are there things that we need to sharpen up a little bit? And then continue pushing forward um in that regard and not really spending too much time on the losses um as a big picture yeah you lost uh but the good thing about tennis is you got next week um it's it's not like other sports you know in fighting uh if you lose maybe you don't you don't get another fight for a couple months and you got to think about how you just you know got pummeled you know what i mean tennis is you got another opportunity every week uh and so you just kind of focus on that, focus on moving forward and keeping, uh, keeping the positives uh, really positive. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Hey listeners, we're here with Eddie Elliott, the coach of Lauren Davis, currently ranked in the top 70. Keep listening. So one thing that people probably don't know about you is that you're not much older than Lauren, and you guys probably started off as hitting partner-player relationship. Is that right? Um, yeah, it, uh, almost like, you know, there's, you know, our area, there's not a lot of good players in the area, so it kind of started off like, hey, uh, looking for some, you know, some practice sessions, um, can, can you hit with me? You know what I mean? So, yeah, mm-hmm. I would say it, it, it didn't start off as a, a coach-player relation. I guess the, re- the, the question that I'm trying to ask is, do you ever find that 
it's hard to talk to someone that is so close in age because I know that hitting partners are typically younger and then making that transition to hitting partner to a coach is, I mean, pretty significant, but still, you're still not that much older than her. Like, is there ever been like, I'm not asking for like, oh, give me gossip on how you guys like have a relationship, but I'm just curious, is it difficult sometimes to be able to speak to her and be like, hey, you need to do this. It's like, you're you're not that much older than me, Eddie, shut up. <laughs> no, t- uh, totally. I mean, that's totally understandable. Um, you know, when uh, it's a different dynamic, I think when, especially when you're younger, right? Um, when you have a relationship, when you are, uh, you guys are both a similar age. It's not always the easiest to be the authoritarian, and a great way to, I guess, go about that is is acting of what you do, if that makes sense. You know, being being an example of what you're trying to um, share or teach with her. And so it's a lot of times it's like I'm trying to live my best life, whether it's working out, having uh, a positive approach after matches, before matches, having a positive attitude at tournaments, because that's a big thing I feel on tour is like your player feeds off that type of energy. And, you know, Lauren's been top 30 in the world. Right. So it's not like I came and just, you know, taught her tennis. (laughs) Um, yeah, Yeah, we we started low and. I, you know, I feel like I've added things to her game and been obviously a positive impact. But at the same time, sometimes there's more important things than yelling at your player to to do a, a certain thing. Um, and there, there's a little more creative way. And I think it's the nature of her and I relationship because we are closer in age. It's just kind of fed that way, if that makes sense. I know it was kind of I'm running around the circle, but no, you're good. You're good. I mean, you're only okay. You're four years older, so it's it's not much because she's about 26. So I mean, there, there's there's a little bit of a gap there. But I see what Irina's saying is, yeah. I mean, sometimes when the, the the players are too much friends with their coaches, the the line can be blurred. How have you kind of you jumped in head first into the pro tour, right? What have you learned from me from other coaches? How did you figure out kind of how to navigate this? Yeah, of course. I mean, I was fortunate enough to, um, as a just being in the sport and, and playing junior tennis and college tennis, I was fortunate enough to be around some really good coaches that had coached at really high level and worked underneath them for periods of time. So, I think I brought a lot of experience uh, from having really good examples in my life of great coaches, and so. Yeah, I don't have the the 20 years of experience on tour, but I've been around a a, a level of coach um, that you know I expect from myself, and I think that's helped uh, navigate that player coach relationship. You know, the biggest thing I've seen on tour, especially well since I've been around the you know it's the WTA. I haven't spent too much time with the the ATP coaches. Uh, met a couple here and there but the biggest thing that i've seen especially now on tour and looking at coaches that are currently coaching is like the coaches that are doing well is they have great emotional intelligence i mean they know how to read read their player um they know the understanding the stressors that go into tournaments pre-tournament it's not so straightforward uh as one's one kind of looks at it and so between that and kind of being Growing up with good, I would say good coaches, that's kind of 
how I've kind of shaped my my coaching career, I would say. Okay, so it's come to the point where we have to talk about the OC, the original coach that kind of brought us all together, which is the infamous former top 10, Brenda Schultz-McCarthy. Um, yeah, so uh, for those of you listening, Nina, Eddie, and I were all part of a little homeschooling slash tennis academy that Brenda Schultz and her husband created with a few other Dutch coaches. Tell us a little bit about how that experience and how you've kept in contact and how I know that you were also part of her camp. You led her camp in Virginia. I mean, how has that relationship kind of helped you become the coach that you are today? Well, I mean, you know, they, they took me under when, you know, I, I couldn't really afford uh, tennis at the time. I loved it. Honestly, I wasn't going to be the next uh, Roger Federer, but, um, you know, I was a hard worker, uh, enjoyed it, and I, they saw that and kind of got connected with them and then obviously got to know you guys through the program as well, which was, you know, we had some really good times, I would say. I think they shaped my view of tennis in a, a more of like a holistic way of like all encompassing. It's not just tennis that's important in your life. You know, there, yes, you live an unbalanced life when you choose to become a professional tennis player or choose to pursue that. But uh, keeping some balance in some areas is really important, whether that's family, relationships, health and nutrition. Uh, fitness. I mean, it, it's all encompassing. And so that that's really what you have to take with you, especially when you decide to take on something like coaching a player on tour. Um, it, you know, I still I'm still in contact with them. They've become more family friends. You know, I've grown up with now they're two boys that are crazy athletes. I, I think they're seven and 10 uh, doing backflips off houses and stuff. So uh, they they've been wild. Um but through them, you know, I've got to know coaches like uh, Juan Nunez, and he's helped us out. Uh, and he's, you know, coach, I don't know how many former number ones on tour. Uh, so it, it's a it's a it's been an awesome resource for me um, growing in tennis. I mean, I can call Brenda whenever I want. And obviously, with her experience being on tour, ask her, hey, how do you deal with this or how do you deal, deal with that? And so the uh, same with her husband. And yeah, it's, it's just been a, it, it's been a good supporting resource for me. And, you know, I love them as a, a family. So um, that will, that's always been there. You know what I mean? Having a top 10 player to call whenever you want to ask questions about life on tour must be so helpful. That's so convenient. Of course. Yeah. Like th- these are the things that, you know, sometimes, you know, yes, I'm young, but um, I mean, that you, you can't set that up. That's just a, that's just a blessing in my eyes. Yeah, it's a path that's worked out. It's funny to look back. It's just small, small world. Because Juan Nunez, I remember practicing with him occasionally. Brenda, of course. Then me, you, and Irina were all kind of part of this circus in Juno Beach. And then now to look at us, like all three of us occasionally running into each other on tour, obviously for different reasons, but it's kind of amazing how far everyone's gone. It's I don't know. I would never have expected it to be like this. No, of, of course not. I mean, I'm thinking back in, you know, in high school, uh, Irina and I, you know, doing home, uh, homeschool on the computer and then now looking and, you know, I'm 30 and or Irina's play on tour. Uh, Nina, you're, you're killing it with the podcast. Like, it, it's just really cool to see, like, everyone doing really well. But the funny thing is, it's all in the tennis world, which is, I guess, no surprise. Eddie, you couldn't be more spot on. Um, the professional tennis world is so small. And to be able to see how 
you, Nina, Mark Shanerman, and I, like, we were all in the same group back in the day, about 15 years ago, when we were training with uh, Brenda. And to see that we were able to come through and just still be in the game 15 years later, I think that's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, Mark was in that program. And, you know, when he was working with Lauren, um, you know, he was sharing with me. And uh, honestly, uh, that you know, that helped me to be a better coach for Lauren because I, I had some inside track already. And, you know, I have huge respect for, for Mark and what he did um, with Lauren as well because they had some really good success. I mean, that was that was with the Hallett match and, and obviously plenty of success before that. And so, um, again, that, that was something that you could have never planned. I mean, and he, he's been great. I mean, I can call him anytime and be like, hey, uh, when when this happened or what's your view on this um because he knows lauren you know just as well as i do if not probably better because they you know they were together for i think close to two years so that's been um that's been another great supporting factor with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com hey guys we're here with eddie elliott we're talking all things tennis surfing and bow hunting keep listening I was there for that match, the one in Australia when she pushed Hall up to 15-13, but then you would have been there when she beat Kerber at Wimbledon this year as a lucky loser. What was going through your head? You sit in the box, right, and you're there the whole time watching. Like, what are you thinking? Oh, I I mean, uh, you know, sometimes I I really feel like, you know, obviously you're you're straight-faced, you're sitting in the box, you're like, yeah, my my players got this, you know what I mean? But (laughs) inside you're going crazy, and it's like, um, you're trying to stay reserved uh, and, and focused with your player. I mean, your player does look up and like, and so you're, you're not trying to be a neurotic mess, but inside you're going, you know, it's like, ah, um, <laughs> it was an unbelievable experience. Honestly, that was my first Wimbledon. I, there's no better way to, to have a first experience at Wimbledon uh, like that. And the way, the way everything just came together, it was, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget. I'll never forget that Wimbledon. So obviously, like you said, that experience was truly extraordinary. But if you go back and you like see the last year um, that you've worked together, what do you think has been your most rewarding moment um, as a coach? Well, two things. as From a tennis perspective, probably uh, Benita Springs, when Lauren won Benita Springs, that kind of... S- uh, that was the wild card into the French and kind of just first title together after a couple finals that were a little like some heartbreakers. And, you know, yes, it was a hundred. Um, but that was, I mean, it was so rewarding. Uh, and that kind of shot us into this summer. And then in general, just the person Lawrence become through, through this process and, you know, Maybe none of your listeners or some of your listeners don't know the backstory, but she stepped away from this, the sport of tennis for a little bit. And at an age that is, you know, too young to step away. And in my opinion, she's too good. Uh, and it was too early um, 
for her to do that. So to see her like come back and start to enjoy tennis on the court again has been, you know, probably the the biggest joy that I've I've gotten um, thus far working with her. I think it's pretty impressive to see how you guys have matched up and, and, you know, it's hard to see players constantly splitting up with their coaches. But when you have a relationship that goes further than just on court, which I think you guys do, it it maybe lasts longer and has a bit more stability. So were you there for her break or the break was before you came in, right? Um, yeah. So like, uh, you know, I, I helped her with her fitness um, in the off season and obviously hitting and uh, when she was working with Mark and was in contact with her during her break. And it was just, you know, it, it was a, obviously a, one of the low moments. And I was there uh, enough to when she decided to come back, she kind of reached out. And that's when we kind of started our, our working together. But um, it, it's it, again, it's one of those uh, things is, you know, on that on the surface sometimes things are going so well and i hate to keep bringing it back to yeah you play professional tennis it looks so great um but you know you guys go through some i mean the stressors of playing in front of millions of people and performing uh week in and week out and making sure that you know everything is right your body's healthy you know maintaining relationships i mean it's just an all-encompassing job uh that you know, I don't know how normal it's actually meant for. Like, it's it's not meant for normal people. If I if, <laughs> if I should say it that way, you can you can say it that way. Yeah, it, it, it's not a normal life, but it's extraordinary. It's not for everybody. No, it's not. It's not for everyone. But it's extraordinary. The ones that do it, um, kudos, kudos to you. Because even on the coaching side, like I, I have massive respect for the players that are especially been on tour for a while that have done this for seven, eight, nine years. I mean, it's one side, it's one thing to be on the coaching side and that's a, a whole different dynamic. I mean, massive kudos to the coaches that have been on tour just as long. Like it, it's a, it's a different stressor, but it's your, your, your life is still out, out of balance. You know, you're on tour 40 weeks out of the year. You're constantly traveling. You're in hotel to courts, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's a different lifestyle. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely say that. That's why you have the balance of the surfing and the fishing and the bow hunting for you. Of course. I mean, <laughs> man, I, I take full advantage when I have like a weekend off or a little time. Lauren laughs at me. It's like, oh, Eddie, you're back in Florida shooting your bow in your backyard, surfing, working out, um, you know, maybe playing tennis for myself because, <laughs> uh, you know, you don't really do that too much when you're on tour. Um, and then obviously surf trips. I mean, yeah, you, you try to I try to balance it as best I can for what I got. I get that. I get that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, all I remember the most about you as a teenager was your love for the game. So it's awesome to see that you're still that you're still absolutely so invested in it. So thank you for your time. I think this is a, a good time as any to wrap up. Um, Irina, I'm sure you've enjoyed this, too. So much. Thanks so much, Eddie. You were awesome. Thanks for making the time and enjoy the rest of your off season, your vacation. And I hope you guys have an amazing preseason and have an amazing 2020 that's to come. Awesome, guys. Thanks. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. You guys are doing awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Between Joe Rogan and you, you guys are on my top. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you. I'll take that. Thanks, Eddie. All right. See you guys. <laughs> From the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, this has been the Tennis.com podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay caught up.
We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app, as well as tennis.com slash podcasts. We're your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. We'd like to thank our team, editor and audio designer Luke Mahoney, producers Alexa March and Sean O'Malley, and executive producers Shelby Coleman, Kyle Einhorn, and Andy Chu. 